Okay, good evening everyone. I'd like to thank our sponsor for tonight's Divrei Zikarain, Lili Nishmas, Mr. Itzinger, Rebzi Shachna, Ben Rebbe Yitzchak, Zechrayin Levracha, and was sponsored by Rabbi Mrs. Ali Dessler and family. And Bez Hashem, hopefully our Divrei Zikaran will be a chizik for us and will be an Eloi Nishama for Mr. Itzinger. Um, I waited till tonight to talk about Mr. Itzinger Barichos. Chaydish Nisan is not a time of Hespid. And I wanted to wait till after ER, even though I'm not calling this Hespid, Divrei Zikaran. However, still not the proper time, and um, you're not supposed to give Hespedim 30 days before a Yontif, which will be, tomorrow, by tomorrow night, it will be, believe it or not, Vav Er will be already 30 days till Shavuos, so really there's a very small window of time without any halachic loopholes to uh, give Divrei Zikaran, so that's why we are doing it tonight. I want to point out that at the the moment right now is is going on another hespid for the Navaminska Rebbe Zichrayna Levracha, the Reish Agudis Yisrael, one of the Gedaili Hadar of America, if not the Gadol Hadar in America. And it's not a stira. It's very interesting how I thought to myself there's a correlation between Mr. Itzinger and the Navaminska Rebbe. They both have very, very colorful, or had very colorful history. The Navaminska Rebbe, Chassidish Rebbe, was a, 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 a Magidshir in Skoki Yeshiva, and then he was embroiled by the Yekis, and eventually ended up as his as a Rebbe and in a Chassidus or a Chassidish Yeshiva. And Mr. Itzinger. I don't know all the details, or I should say I don't remember every single detail of his history, but it's also very colorful. On one hand, he was originally a Galicianer from Krakow. He always used to tell me that he spoke to my wife's grandfather, Rev Kreisworth, once or twice, and Rev Kreisworth remembered how his uncle, how Mr. Itzinger's uncle, used to give a daf yoimishir in one of the shows in Krakow. I don't know if he, he heard the shear from him, but he remembered that he gave the shear. I don't remember what the uncle's name was. And he was a Galicianer. At the same time as we know, he also was from Germany, Frankfurt. And you go from Galicia to Germany, as close as they are, they're worlds apart. And then eventually he was in England, and then America. And each one of these places made up the person that Mr. Itzinger was. And it was it was very often we identify ourselves as one type of person from one type of place. And he was comfortable identifying himself as a Galiziana. If I would talk about, and we'll say in a moment, some Divrei Taira from that, uh, from that part of the world. At the same time, Frankfurt and the G'daylim there and that led him back to the Chassam Seifer, who was originally from Frankfurt, and so on and so forth. His Rabbeim in England, 
Rav Nachman Ladinsky was the Rashiv and Gateshead. He told me numerous divrei Torah. Mr. Itziger would tell me from his Rosh Hashiva that he remembered from how many years before, 70, 80 years before, on a Shabbos afternoon, that he heard this from his Rosh Hashiva. The son, Rav Ladinsky, was the son of Ramosha Ladinsky, was the Rosh and Radin. So he was a person who was so multifaceted. And the truth is, even in his life here in Cleveland, is something that is, is, there's so much to talk about in so many different aspects. And I'm just going to try through the lens of our shul of Beis Daniel for however many years he davened in Avas Yisrael, Burger Shul. And I don't know how many years ago it was. It was still before we put on the edition. So that's over four years ago. Probably five or six years ago, it got a little harder for him to walk down to Taylor. He started davening by us. And at that time, Mr. Rabinsky was alive as well. And put the, between the two of them, the amount of Jewish history is like 150 years worth. Their knowledge of Jewish history and Jewish geography. And they would... It was unbelievable to, to, to watch them talk and to hear from them um, as they, uh, you know, as a part of our show. Anytime I would say a vart from the Gdailim of Galicia from Krakow, he would very, get very excited. So I want to begin tonight with the vart from Abshimin Seifer that we've said other times. Rabshimin Seifer, the Rav of Krakow, the son of the Chassam Seifer, and that's why to him he always say Rabshimin Seifer as both. Because the Chassam Seifer, like I said, was from Frankfurt. Shimon Seifer was from Krakow. Have Kal Kanesha Rotz Katzvi. Shimon Ben tells us that a person is supposed to be light like an eagle and run like a tzvi, like a deer, a gazelle, as it's translated. And Rabbi Shimon Seifer was bothered. What's these both seem to be some type of Midov's Rizos. Your light. Like a nasher, you soar like a nasher, very light on its feet, so to speak. The tzvi is also rots. What's the difference between the two midas? And Reb Shimon Seifer explained that the nasher is very light, it's kal, and it flies and soars very high. But it never looks down and never looks back. A tzvi, on the other hand, and this, you know, if you could watch some type of National Geographic uh, about a tzvi, you watch them run, and they run very, very quickly. But every once in a while, they stop, and they look back to see what's going on around them. What's going on in their mind, I have no idea. But that's their teva. So said Reb Shimon Seifer, a person has to have both. It's not enough to soar to great heights. A person has to have the midah of Rotz Katzvi. He has to look around and see what's going on around him. It's not enough to be soaring in Ruchnius. You have to look around at the people around you. How are they doing? How are you affecting them? What's going on in, in, in your in your sviva? That said, Reb Shimon Seifer, you need both midahs to truly grow in Ruchnius. And I remember the first time I said this vart, and he was all excited, Mr. Itzinger, to hear this vart from Shimon Seifer. And I think it wasn't only because of Shimon Seifer, because I think this was something, the Midas, that he had as well. He was a person who was a Kal Kanasher. He was an easygoing person. He was a person who was growing, coming to Shiurim, to Davening, as we'll talk about in a moment. But he was cognizant of what was going on around him. He looked around, he saw what was going on. 
He would ask me numerous times, where's this one, where's that one, what's going on with him? I haven't seen him in a while. V'chahena, v'chahena. He was a Kal Kanesha, but he was a Rotz Katzvi. In this week's parsha, Rabbeinu Yosef Nechemya Kornitzer, the, the uh, grandson of Rabbi Shimon Seifer, also the Rav of Krakow that we're so well familiar with. And again, when I got into this world and our Mespalim know the world of Rabbi Shimon Seifer and Rabbi Yosef Nechemya and Chsam Seifer over the last few years since I was at their Kvarim. And that was also something Mr. Singer was always excited about to see my trips. And he would ask me where we're going this year and he would come to the, and come to the slideshow and he would have comments about it. And it was, it was wonderful to have a person who really, who really was a different generation than we were in relation to the, these places. And um, Rabbi Yosef Nechemya, Rabbi Yosef Nechemya in this week's parsha says, "The keeper bade yavad beis yavad kol kahal Yisrael." A the kain gadol's mechaper for himself, his household, and all of Klal Yisrael. Says Rabbi Yosef Nechemya, and he says this also in last week's parsha as well, that a person's shleimus, a person being the best that he could be to perfection, is totally. It depends and fulfilling three different obligations. It's a three-pronged deal. Number one, shleimus atzmai, a person has to work on himself. Number two, he has to work on his relationship, b'nei v'esai, for his household, his children, his family. And number three, his relationship, k'neged echav v'amai, his friends, and k'la Yisrael as a whole. And the k'ayin gadol, worked on all three, v'chipar ba'adoi, number one himself, uvad beisai, and for his family, uvad kol kahal Yisrael. And if we think about the shleimus of a person, and we're in the days of Svira, and that's why I titled tonight Divrei Zikaran and Svira Saimer, because Svira Saimer is a time when we perfect ourselves. It's a time that we look to be shleimim, for to become as perfect as we could be, as best as we could be, Rabbi Yosef Nechemia is teaching us it's three prongs. Ourselves, our family, and Kol Kahal Yisrael, our friends, our Kehila, Gans Klal Yisrael. And when we look at Mr. Itzinger, we see an Ish HaShalim. We see a person who was involved in so many different things, and yet, it seems as if everything he did was so perfect. Whether it was Ba'adai, whether it was his own self-growth, whether it was his own hakpada and coming to davening on time, I knew exactly every Shabbos morning at 8.17, the front door would open and Mr. Itzinger would walk in. And if it was 8.19 and he wasn't there, I'd get nervous. Once in a blue moon, for whatever reason, he was a little delayed, he had to take care of his wife or something like that. So Something like that. But 8.17, like clockwork, he was there. He was in his... He was in his seat, already going ahead, because he felt uh, the carbonus he didn't have enough time for. There was a shleimus of atzmai, on his own avodas Hashem, and we'll talk more about that as we as the evening progresses. There was ba'ad be, there was um, ba'ad beisai, his family, his family, and again we'll talk a little bit more about that soon. But his family was everything to him, his pride. When his daughter would come, he would talk about, his face would glow. He would talk about, she's coming, she's here. 
We talk about his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. And each time there was a simcha in the family, he'd be so full of simcha. He wasn't at a lot of the simchas. It was in Eretz Yisrael. He didn't travel there that often. His daughter told me when I spoke to her during the shiva that over the last year being in Eretz Yisrael, he was zaycha to many, be at many simchas. He had a bracha under the chuppet, his great-granddaughter's chasana, and other simchas as well over the last year. To him it was Gan because his family was really everything to him. Who could forget when he walked in the first day of Sukkot every year with his Kubin Lulav. For those of us who are very into our Dalit Minim, a Kubin Lulav is like the Cadillac of Lulavim. He had a Kubin Lulav because one of his Einiklach was married to a Kubin. So it got sent every year. And until uh, it came, it was always a hack. Who's, who's bringing it? And you know, it's coming. But it came and he walked in with his Dalit Minim and his Kubin Lulav. But it wasn't the lulav in itself. It was a, because it had to do with his family. It was his anical that got him this lulav. And that was Bad Beisai. And we'll talk about it in a moment about his wife, Zazangazuntin Stark. But Bad Beisai, there was a pride. There was a pride in his family. There was a pride in his family. And that was something that meant very much to him. And not only his children, when he would talk about his family, his parents, and his brothers. And um, we all know that, you know, Yom Kippur was the day that he set aside as the Yom Zikaran for those in his family who were killed in the Holocaust. He said Kaddish and Yom Kippur um, for them. That was the day that he set aside. But he lived with it. He lived with his family, his heritage, everything. That's, that's who he was that made up who he was. And then there was Va'ad Kol Kahal Yisrael. And that's for us. Nagea Tower Kehillah. How it is, we were Zaycha Baruch Hashem, like I've said before, a young kahila to have someone of that age and that stature to be so involved and so Ma'urav with us. And we were able to look towards him and look up to him. It was something very special for us. And like I said, he took pride, pride in our kahila. He took pride and he looked around and he, was, and, he, and he talked and he was concerned about people. And like I wrote in the email, he would cut out from the Hamidi if my picture was there giving a prize to a kid, anything with based on he would cut it out. And I get an envelope, one of his business envelopes from when he was an uh, insurance agent. I don't know how many years ago he retired, but it was a long time ago. But Vaisdechais had a lot of leftover envelopes, those little brown envelopes, and he would give it to me. I still have a few of them in my stender. You know, and that was it. He was this key based on Hills, his shul. You know, and here there's something in the paper about it. Cuts it out and he gives it to us. That was bad called Kahal Yisrael. That's who he was. That's who he was. He lived up to the words of Rabbi Yosef Nechemya from his hometown of Krakow. I, I listened to some of the recordings. I got uh, uh, some videos of the, of the Levaya and Svas. And it was mentioned there a few things that fit into all these categories. Number one, they wanted to mention, they said they're going to mention three things. Number one is that he was very, three prominent things in his life. One of them was Jewish education. Jewish education was a very prominent thing. It's well known that he was probably the longest serving board member in the Hebrew Academy, never missed a meeting. 
Um, he was on the tuition committee for many years. Someone else told me an email, sent me an email, that when he was on the tuition committee, he would fight and, and, and be very stark to help people and, and, and to, you know, to be there for the underdog. Getting a, a Jewish education was something very, very important to him. And we all know how Mikurov he was with Rav Dasso, Zechreinu Levracha, used to drive him to, to Bincha Meir for years, to the Hebrew Academy, to Yang Israel, the Hebrew Academy for years. And, um, and continuing down, Yibaldi Mechaim Lechaim, to, to, to Rabbi Eli and, and his family, and Rabbi Simi and his family. And as we know, you know, whenever there was something, both uh, Rabbi Eli always davens by us, but Rabbi Simi would also would come for a Kiddush, for something, it's it's they, they they he was part of their family. There was a connection that went back to England to the Mechtem Elio to Rebellia Dessler, and uh, if he, they would try to thank him for taking care of their father and then driving him every single day to Mincha and and in, in Shul, he would say, "Me, you're thanking me. I still owe you. I still owe what your grandfather was makar of me in England." His akaras atay forty, fifty, sixty years later continued. He felt that he never was able to pay it up. And um, and uh, you know that's part of his that's part of who he was. Um, the second thing they mentioned was his rizos, his rizos, his rizos, and coupled with that is the third thing, his namanas, which was his dependability, and that was like we said, coming to tefillah b'tzibur, not missing davening, very important thing to him, as we know, all the way till the last kaddish. Of course, he didn't shmooze during davening at all. And his tefillah b'tzibur. Um, in fact, there's a we already have a minig in our shul. That's uh, Mr. Itzinger's minig, so to speak. I don't know. Most people don't know where it comes from. Mr. Itzinger, as we know, his his wife uh, was is Leilenu blind, and therefore he had to light Shabbos candles with her. She couldn't do it by herself. So. On a regular Shabbos in the winter, or when it's regular Shabbos, so Liz Lichtzind, and then you come to Shul. But on early Shabbos in the summer, so you can't light candles till after Plag. So he would have a mincha earlier, somewhere else, and then he would light candles by Plag with her, and then he would come to Shul, usually walking in about Mizmer Ladavid or Lechadaydi, and that was fine. However, there's a couple times a year, it should be. Erev Shvi Shel Pesach, or and or Erev Chalamay Shabbos Chalamay of Pesach, when we don't say Nusach Ashkenaz doesn't say Kabbalah Shabbos. So right after Mincha, you go straight to uh, to Mizmer Shir and Baruchu, and there's no way for him to be there on time. There's no way for him. He'll miss Baruchu. So I don't remember the first time it happened. I don't remember if the first time he took a miss Baruchu. I don't remember how it started. But he told me, or maybe he came over to me earlier, he said, there's no way for me to make it, I'm going to miss Baruchu. I said, it's not a problem, we're going to wait for you. We're going to wait for you till you come. And that's it. From then on, there was, there's always a break, that for however long it is, I say usually 10 minutes, but I can do it 10 minutes. It's when Mr. Itzinger walks in. When Mr. Itzinger walks in, it's time for us to start. And that's in order that he should be there for Baruchu, and uh, or for Ms. Mershir for that matter, and he shouldn't uh, he shouldn't miss out on it because he was he had to take care of his of his wife. 
So it was something that's, you know, very important to him. If someone, uh, someone who constantly misses Baruch Hu, so you have to know how many, how, how much your matriach to hold Tzibur to make a Takana. But a person who never misses Baruch Hu, so the Tzibur waits for him. And that's, uh, that's what we do. And, uh, you know, if it's Nagea other people as well, I'm sure sometimes people are home and men are home alone and have to light, you know, after plague. So it's, 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 it's Mahana other people. But it came from Mr. Itzinger. And um, because we knew how chush of it is for him to be there for davening, and why should he have to miss just because he is taking care of what he's supposed to be doing? Um, part of that zrizus was his early morning dirshu kailal, which they mentioned at the levaya as well. He took the tests and he did very well on them. The oldest member of dirshu. But someone told me a story that one time his car wasn't working or something. And at that time, this, this neighbor was also going to, to the Kailal. I think he was going to, to Rabbi Kutov's Daf Yaimi. And Dirshu starts at 6, and the, 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 uh, the, the Daf Yaimi started at 6.15. But Mr. Itzinger asked him, could you pick me up at 5.30? 5.30, got to be there on time. So it was a freezing cold day, snowy cold day. And they made up 5.30, he's going to meet him. And at about... Uh, 528, this person drives towards, he lived a block away, he started driving there, and he sees Mr. Itzinger's already standing at uh, Bendemir and Maple, in the middle of the street, in the middle of the snow, waiting for him, like, why is he late? He was already early, but why is he late? He didn't wait in the house, he didn't wait, he, he, he didn't wait for him to come, he, he's got to go, he's got to go, and it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be snow, it's going to be ice, it's going to be cold, it makes no difference, and the person ended off the email to me and said, he was a real, a real soldier of Hashem, and that's really what touches it up, that's the Zrizos, that's the Nemonus, he was very dependable, as we said, and um, he had a Kesser Shem Tov, Kesser Shem Tov Gabeim, because he was had all of these, had all of these uh, midas. When we talk about his dependability, and we talk about his reasons, and we talk about his family, so of course the way he cared for his wife was something very special, as we all know. And um, we saw him, this, this didn't start in our shul, it was told to me by a few people from Avis Yisrael as well, that we, he always packed up something for his wife from every kiddush, and it wasn't only in shul, even in people's houses, he has to bring home something to his wife from Shalashudis, he would also take rolls home for her. Um, I was told that even when he was close to 80 years old, he was jumping for candy, at a Neifruf, and at the Neifrufs in Avas Yisrael also, to bring home to his wife. And uh, something something very special, the way he took care of her, the way he was concerned about her. Um, in the first few years of our shul, he would actually bring her for Megillus Esther, to come in, and uh, he, you know, he would ask me if he could please, you know, keep the driveway open, so that he could pull straight up. And of course, you know, it was our greatest covet to be able to be able to do anything we could to help him, and um, but just to watch him and to know what was going on. Like we said with the with that Lucas Neiros, the way he took care of his wife was something very very special. Um, his anivus, you know, I wrote in the in the email originally just to see him the way he would, uh, you know, he would act with such anivus. Many people told me they tried to hold the door for him. And he would get very angry and say, you know, just go, you know, why am I better than you, he would say. 
Um, or if you try to help him with his coat, don't you forget it. That was it. You know, he's trying to get his hand into his coat. You know, no, he would get very upset. He could do it himself. Someone in our shul. And, and, and what warms my heart is that, from the emails I got, is that really we were all, this is not Achreimah's Kedoshim. You know, we're not hopping these things while he's after he's, he's Nifter. People realize this. We realize this when he was there and we appreciated it. And I've talked about it from the Hamad a few times and his anniversaries and birthdays and all different things and for his Seischam L'Shalom. But I see the other people also, you know, we really did appreciate him. We really, you know, of course you could always appreciate someone more, but it's not like we weren't cognizant of this. Someone in the show said a few times he sent over his child to get a bracha from him. Oh, he said to a bracha from me, you go to the rav for a bracha. You don't get a bracha from me. But I don't give brachas, you know. But this was part of his anivas. He was right to give a bracha, that's for sure. Um, like I said in the, in, the, in, the, in the email as well, if he would get an aliyah, you know, if someone would buy him an aliyah, it was like the biggest surprise to him. Like, why would anyone want to buy him an aliyah? Maftir, well, Maftir was like, you know, totally, totally not deserving. He almost didn't want to go up if someone, if he was called up... Uh, called up from after. Um, and we'll get back to the Aliyahs in a moment. There's a Misa, there's a Misa with Reb Chaim Oizer Grzynski, Zechrein Levracha. Rabban Shekol Bnei For some reason, he was once in Krakow. And uh, it was during Hanukkah. And it seems a button ripped off of his coat or of his kapata. So he needed it uh, sewn back on. So they directed him to a tailor's house. And he knocks on the door. I don't know if the tailor knew who he was, didn't know who he was. I, honestly, I don't know when the story exactly happened. Was he already Rabban Shalko B'nei Was he younger? I don't know all the details. But he went to the tailor, and um, and the tailor told, he said, I have to, you know, I need a button sewn on. So the tailor says to him, no problem, but I didn't send Chanukah yet. So if you don't mind waiting till I light Chanukah and then a half hour afterwards, I'll be able to, to sew it on for you. So he said, no problem. So Chanukah was a whole affair. This was, again, a simple person, a tailor. He started, you know, uh, started um, making the wicks and then pouring the oil and then saying the Hineni L'Shei Michon and the Hineni Muchan and then saying the Brochis and singing all the Piyutim and then a half hour and finally, he sewed on Reb Chaim Eiser's button. And Reb Chaim Eiser said, at that time, he said, I was always wondering how Krakow was able to produce such great Gidoilim and Tamid Chachamim. And he says, when I see this, the, the Hislavus, and I see the Zrizus, and I see the Diktuk HaMitzvus of even what we would call a simple tailor, if this is the simple people, could only imagine what this city, and I think then he said about the whole Galicia like that, is, be, is producing. And that Misa came to mind when I thought about, about uh, a Mr. Ritzinger. Again, this was from his place. But he was, quote-unquote, like we said, a simple person. As I said in the email also, he reminded us of a Pashti Yid who they were not Pashat. As Reb Chaim said, if this is the Pashat of people, can you imagine what the G'daylem are? And he wasn't Pashat at all. He wasn't a Pashat of person at all. And like I said, for him, for him to, um, the way he said his, the the Carbonus, um, and the certain things that, that we're not cognizant of. For example, there's a famous Piyot that is brought down in Halacha and in Mate Ephraim, and in every what we would call the old machzorim, machzorim, you know, pre, 
pre-art scroll, the ones that have piyutim still in them, like the machzerabas and things like that. And Yom Kippur, on, uh, on Rosh Hashanah night, on Rosh Hashanah night it's brought down, there's a piyut called Ochei Slanu Ketana, a special piyut of Ava that's said by Kla Yisrael with the Rabbeinu Shalolim. I was never in a place that said it. Maybe in the more chassidish places they do say it. But every year he would turn to me. After I, sp- I would speak between Mincha and Mayriv, and then there would be a few minutes till we start Mayriv, every year he would say, we're not saying Ochus Lana Ketana? And I would say, it's not our minig. And he would turn right around to his to his machzer, and right away he would say, Ochus Lana Ketana? That was it. This is, this is what you do. You know, this is a, a throwback, like I said, to Pashat Yidin. Pashat Yidin, who were the soldiers of Hashem. There's no cheshbainis, there's no shtiklach it's we don't say it, the yeshivas don't say it, they're all good terutzim, I have them all myself. But then there's, you watch somebody who, there's no shtik, this is, his, this is what we do, this is what we say, this is, this is, this is the right way of doing things. And the Pashat Yid that he was, like I said, he, he, his, his, his humor, he, he, he always had, first of all, everything, he never said, I don't make jokes, jokes, milsa devidichusa. As you say something in a light-hearted manner, and most of the times it had to do with a chazal, or a play on words, there wasn't, kemat nat, I don't remember, a Shabbos that he didn't come into the Chayyadim Shir, which he was always coming to, and he would sit there, and he would listen, and he had kashas on the Shir, and he had kashas on the Psakim, and, of course, if somebody was learning out loud or talking, he would get very upset. And not just because it disturbed his hearing. He said, the Rav's giving a shear. You don't give, you don't learn in the middle, and that's it. It doesn't make a difference. What you're doing, this is what you're supposed to This is the Rav's giving a shear. But he always had a Dvar to tell me. Always a Vart. And again, it was a short Vart. It was a Chap. Sometimes it was the, the Vilna First he would say the Vart. Then he would tell you who it's from. A Vilna Gain, or it could be a Remachemandel Meriminov. It would be the gap. Of, of, of Klai Yisrael Mikotzel Kotze from Hasidish to Litvish to Misnagdish every, he just, and he always had something to say, whether it was Negeat to the Parsha, was Negeat to the Yontif he always had something to say and he always had these cute, cute lines and quips that we all remember, the one with <laughs> A.Y. Nakdeman told me that one time after uh, davening on Rosh Hashanah so Baruch Hashem we have our Bali Tfila Rebewai, and we have Dr. Yossi Maskowitz as our Bali Musaf. So usually AY goes a little quicker and ends a little earlier. So he told him, it's very Pashat why you go shorter and Dr. Maskowitz is a little longer. He says, because you cut hair. You like to cut things short. Dr. Maskowitz, he's a physical therapist. He stretches muscles. That's his job. He stretches it. So in the middle, of course, he's going to be, be a little longer than you. This is what, you know, he always had something cute to say, something geschmack to tell people. Always these cute lines. And, you know, it, he, he was so mu'urava mabrius. This was the, the Pashida Yid in him. This was this Pashida Galiziana Yid, so to speak, as Reb Chaim Eiser, as Reb Chaim Eiser saw. His Akaras Atoiv, like we said, for driving uh, Rav Dasler, Zechrayin Levracha. But, um, but A.Y. also told me, as a Gabai, as a Gabai, so this, we've, we saw this on the other side, but as a Gabai, this was his Hargosha. He says, you know, people buy each other aliyahs, you get an aliyah, and then, you know, you make a mishaberach for your family, and then you say, okay, who, and who bought the aliyah, you know? Okay, you add him in. He says, when, when, when someone bought him an aliyah, 
Besides the fact, like I said before, he looked up and said, hey, who's by me here? Like, I don't deserve this. And when he would find out who it, who it is, he would like make like this, oh, why did he do that for me, you know? Um, but but he would, when he would ask who it is, it would first of all be a separate Mishaberach. It would be a separate Mishaberach for the person who bought him the Aliyah. And number two, A.Y. said his, like, his feeling was like, Mr. Itzinger would say it like, oh, who bought me the Aliyah? Oh, him! He bought me the Aliyah! Oh! Separate Mishaberach for him, like he was full of Akaras Hataiv, like this is the first time anyone bought him an Aliyah, and the first time he ever had to make a Mishaberach, and each time it was the same Hargasha, like it was brand new to this Hakaras Hataiv that, uh, that, um, that he had for these, uh, for, for the Aliyahs. And um, that was all part of this, so to speak, Pashadiyid, the person who slipped in, the person who slipped out, without any fanfare. But really, like we said, he wasn't very Pashad at all. He was Taka and Ish HaShalem in so many, so many different aspects. And I just want to, you know, there's, 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 there's so much to say. And, um, you know, and so many people sent in all different types of... Um, all different types of of memories, and like I said, this is only one one small part in such a long life. Baruch Hashem, you know, he was at his faculties mamish till the end, till the end. Made a shahakal, had a drink of water, and then very not long after that was nifter. Um, and um, you know, I remember just one one other thing. I think one of the first a few years back, he was it was Yom Kippur, and he came back for after you know after the break for mincha. And um, I think uh, I think it was I think it was Gedalia Kranis who who went to him and said, uh, you know, how are you fasting? You know, are you feeling okay? He was worried about him. He was, you know, Kanina Hari was a uh, you know ninety years old already, and he looked at him and he said to him, I've been doing this for over seventy years. You don't think I got the hang of it already? So. You know, that's this is who he was. You know, <laughs> this is this is who he was, and. Um, and again, it's a small, small snippet of 94 years, six years of, of us seeing it. And he, we were only one part of his day, even the last six years. So many, so many different aspects to his life. And I think that Bez Hashem, like we said, over the last year, we talk missed him a lot. And, but we're happy that he was able to be in Eretz Yisrael. And his daughter said it was Mamish Gan Eden for him. And he was so happy. I spoke to him once or twice on the phone as well. And he was so happy there, and he told me how happy he was. And as much as he missed Cleveland, and as hard as it was for him to leave after however many years it was, um, however, Baruch Hashem, he was happy. And it was, you know, he, he lived a full life. And Bez Hashem, we hope that we are able to continue remembering his Midas, remembering who he was as a person, and as each one of us, continues to grow in our life and the younger we are, you know, the the Bez the, Hashem, the many more years that we have to continue our growth and hope that one day people will be able to look at us and say, oh, look at what a Ish HaShalem you are, that person is. Look at their Akbad on Davening, on Shiurim, on Staka, like I said in the email also, always the next day for the Misha Beirach, the check, 
you know, and if he would keep track, if your, the check wasn't cashed, he would come back. Someone told me that he, he gave a chasana present to one of their kids, and it got lost or something, and he came back where it wasn't cashed. How come they didn't use it? Oh, it was lost. He, he, he replaced it. There was this nemonis to him, this honesty to him. And if he said he's going to do something, it's going to happen. And, you know, if someone told him they were going to do something and it didn't happen, it bothered him. Why is it not happening? This, this, is, this, this is the right way of doing things. Bez Hashem, we hope that Bez Hashem will be a Melitz Yaisher for his wife. She should be gesund and for his ganze mishpacha and for the entire our kehila and all the kehilas that he was a part of and the city of Cleveland that he was a part of. And Bez Hashem, we should be zaycha that his halatzas yaisher will go to the rabbi shalaylam in this tzara, that he was part of that, this tzara, this was the coronavirus, is not what took his life. The rabbi shalaylam said, you know, time is up, the coronavirus was just the shliach that the rabbi shalom used. His time, he had finished, and isha shalem, he finished his tafkid in this world, and now he's taking his 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 place amongst all the different gedolim and all the different people that he revered and he felt and he carried on their legacy and he felt a part of their lives and they, he made them a part of his life. And Vez Hashem, we should talk that we should see not only an end to this sorrow, we should be zaycha to see the Yeshua, the greatest Yeshua. We should see the coming of Mashiach. Ubila hamavas lo we should be zaychet to see this. Bekarev imherev yamenu. Amen.